welcome to another episode of Soul Care with me, Angie Fatal. My pronouns are she, they, and I am on the unceded land of the Multnomah, Wasco, Cowlitz, Kathlamet, Clackamas, Bands of Chinook, Tualatin, Kalapuya, Malala, and many other tribes that made their homes along the Columbia River. Today, I have a special guest. Her name is Sarah. We know each other through, through, I can speak. We know each other. We know each other through my archery workshop. She takes lessons from me. She is a yoga instructor. And I actually, I realize I don't know much more about you than that, except because we don't usually talk about ourselves. We usually talk about spiritual things or all the heady knowledge that we have. <laughs> she has been kind enough to come and be on the podcast today. It's been a long time since I've had a guest, so I'm a little bit rusty. The other thing I want to say about Sarah is just what I know of you, and this is maybe not how other people perceive you, but um, you are somebody that I feel like looks at fear mm-hmm. and faces it anyway. Mm-hmm. At least if I look at you through the eyes of an archery instructor, I watch you do your little dance that you do. <laughs> Sarah does this thing where she's very good at archery, but um, it's almost like the moment you realize you come out of your body, you do this little dance, and her little dance is not a dance, but it's like she does this thing where she moves her feet back and forth, gets into her power stance, and that's how you embody it, and you go for it. And I think I try and make correlations to life, I guess, and one of the things that I've mm-hmm. seen through the way that you do archery, and maybe you don't do this in all of the other areas of your life. I don't. I wish I was as powerful in my everyday life as I am on the archery range, or as fearless. And But one thing I see is you hit an awkward thing, or like you're not sure what to do, but you do it anyway. Mm. And you usually do mm. it with humor, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I love, because I feel like if we, if we all kind of treated the things that we are learning with more humor or grace for ourselves or um, curiosity, then we would learn things easier or we, it would be not such a big deal when we're practicing. But like you and I have talked about, um, it's a practice. Like, yeah. And I'm sure you found that in yoga, but nothing is a practice anymore. It's like immediate expertise, <laughs> which I think yes. is bullshit. Yeah. America's the worst at it, I think. Like all people all these people that took one class and something and now I'm an expert at whatever. Instead of saying I'm practicing, like I am a spiritual director, but I am still practicing. You know, I'm an archery instructor and, you know, somatic healer, but I am practicing and I know very little. So I do want you to talk about what you do as a yoga instructor because you have a very unique pro- approach. Apparently I can't speak very well today. <laughs> anyway, everybody that listens is used to that. Tell, tell us about yourself. Okay. Yeah, my name's Sarah. My pronouns are she, her. And um, 
I'm actually not just a yoga teacher, I'm a yoga therapist. Tell me about that. Yes. I don't know what that is. So that takes an additional 800 hours of training, specifically in the therapeutic applications of yoga. So people specialize in different things, maybe in working with injuries or um, rehabbing, um, working with older populations, anything you can specialize in. And I, I work specifically with people who have some sort of chronic health condition and um of course yoga is uh, most many people know um much bigger than just the physical poses and so what i really love about yoga and working with people is that we're not just working on the physical level we're working on the mental the emotional the spiritual level and so even if someone comes and um you know they can barely get out of bed that day and they think the last thing they need is a downward dog. That's <laughs> how I feel. <laughs> not, can I not do another downward yeah. dog, please? <laughs> I don't think I've ever taught a downward dog in yoga therapy. You know, we're just going to like, we're just going to be together mm-hmm. um, in relationship and talk about what's going on. Um, I like to work a lot with the nervous system. So there's going to be some like breath calming breath practices. Um, it's amazing what the breath can do for pain and mm-hmm. anxiety. Also just being with someone who will listen yeah. and understand and um, not fix. One of the things I love about yoga therapy is I'm not like trying to fix your problem or make you better. We are just, um, we're just working together and we are being with what is present because it's all about the the present moment we'd also like there's not a lot of digging back into the past and mm-hmm. um yeah it's not so much problem solving as um learning to just experience things as they come mm. sounds amazing so I'm, when you were talking i was like so sort of like a spiritual director because <laughs> a lot of what i do is just sitting with people when yeah yeah so i will say i did briefly uh, start a spiritual direction program to mm. become a spiritual director. And because I felt like in the yoga therapy training, I wasn't sure how much we, if we covered enough of like being with people. But you know, what I found out is that, um, A, I have my bachelor's degree in philosophy and religion. So I already had um, a lot of the background that we were covering as far as world religions go and um be just kind of like that's how I am with people yeah and it's um I don't think it's it would be more at this point it would be more about getting that validation that like oh Sarah is this and yeah I decided for now I don't need that yeah well I almost did that like I when I got certified and, you know, did all the hours and everything, then then a couple of years later, I was like, oh, maybe I'll also become a yoga instructor. Because I, I was looking for ways to bring more of the body into it. And then I was like, you just want more accreditations. Yeah. I mean, it would be helpful, but, and I'm not saying I won't ever get trained, but I also like things. <laughs> I also like. I know how to do this, and I know how to do this, and I know how to do this. And sometimes you just have to do what you're doing for yes. a long time. 
Yes. And then you can add more. And for me, sometimes it comes more down to, oh, someone has approved me to do that. Someone has approved me to do that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it's funny because I I think that, like I just told you, like all, yes, the hygienist, the dental hygienist who I had today, she has been doing it for 45 years. So she knows what she's talking about. And also, I always assume that people are experts over me and stuff. And sometimes they are, but sometimes they know just as much as I do. How, what drew you to people with chronic, chronic illness or? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think a couple things, um, I myself have lifelong, um, dance with anxiety. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I didn't realize it, uh, until I hit my twenties and started to have panic attacks and then could see like, Oh, I'm an, I'm an anxious person. (laughs) And so, um, and so I have lived my life with anxiety and I have gone to many different Eastern and Western alternative health practitioners. And lots of people have told me like, Oh, this one, like, Oh my gosh, you just need to take this one amino acid or golden ticket. Oh my God. (laughs) And like every time I get my hopes up, like, well, this is it. This is going to fix it. And of course, um, course it doesn't <laughs> and um and and when I was in my yoga therapy training when we covered the chronic pain module at first I thought I had no interest in working with people with chronic pain and then I realized it's like it's the same thing mm-hmm. anxiety and pain it's just manifesting differently and yeah. so all of the tools that I my hard-earned tools for helping um, manage my anxiety, that works uh, for chronic pain as well. And most people, many people who have some sort of chronic health condition, whether it's an autoimmune condition or just honestly just aging, Mm -hmm. feels like a chronic health condition, like... (laughs) Speak your truth. (laughs) Speak every woman's truth. (laughs) Yeah, pain and anxiety are like two really big things that people either struggle with both of them or one of them. I like to, the yoga that I teach is slow and it's, Mm. we're on the floor and it, like I said, it's like all about engaging the relaxation response, the parasympathetic nervous system. And so with those kind of factors together, that Venn diagram, what you end up with is, you know, someone who, who, ha- who perhaps has some sort of chronic health condition. They need to manage anxiety. They need to manage pain. Mm-hmm. And they, they need to move slow and gentle and mindfully. And mm-hmm. It sounds like it probably... It, a lot of your time is spent giving people permission to slow mm-hmm. down. Yeah. Not just permission, but like... Yeah, you must. <laughs> Cheerleading, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we, don't, we don't do that. And I, it's interesting, too, because I was thinking about, you know, anxiety is a hidden, for the most part. Anxiety and depression are hidden. I don't know what to call it. Gosh. Hidden functions? <laughs> yeah, it, that, it's hard because so many people... Yeah, um, I have Conditions? Yes. Yeah. And I will say pain goes along with that. Yeah. There's a lot more people in chronic pain than we realize. Because yeah, they're also what, hiding that. 
don't know if you and I have talked about it, but just anybody that has, like I had back pain for years from a car accident and then came to find out a lot of it, the car accident was just the beginning. Mm. That's what set the back pain off. But for me, and I know this isn't like everyone's story, but I read a book finally after like seven years of a friend recommending it called um, Healthy Back mm. by John Sarno. And then he had another one that wa- that is Mind-Body Connection, which is basically, he's just a medical doctor that started seeing all these patients in the 80s with back pain, like mm. so many patients. And he'd see all these patients and somebody would have a, an x-ray you know, he'd see all the same x-rays, pretty much, a bulging yeah. disc or something. And some of them would have no pain, yeah. no debilitation, and then some of them would be wheelchair-bound, chronic pain, on meds. Uh, and so I started doing my own work around the rage in my body mm. from what's happened to me. And a lot of, he said, and, and I know... and. It's, it's tricky to explain because it is not a placebo. The pain is real. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's what's hard for people when they think of when I'm talking because my pain was real and it was not in my head. Your body is an incredible machine that will do whatever it takes to keep you from expressing what might be the most vulnerable thing, which is your rage or whatever it is. Just unfelt emotions or whatever. For me... I read those books three or four times. I probably will have to pick them up again. It completely changed my life. Awesome. I have no back pain. I have old lady back. Okay. You know, where I wake up in the morning and I'm like, <laughs> which probably if I continued my yoga practice would help with that. But I don't have back pain. The thing for me is nobody could see that I was in pain. Yeah. That my eyes were glazed. I was sweating. I was in agony. 80, 90% of the time, no drugs worked, nothing worked, except for resting, which I'm not very good at. Mm -hmm. Still, that's going to be a practice of learning. And that was hard because people are, I didn't want to be treated different, but I also wanted, maybe they did want to be treated a little Mm -hmm. bit different. Like, don't keep giving me all of the work. (laughs) And I think people don't believe, unless you are, and probably people that have issues that people can see or you know like wheelchair or you know walkers or whatever people have to use to get around or be in the world um breathing machines whatever it is i'm sure it has its own things with it i know it does because people then reject you so maybe there's no helpful ground Mm -hmm. to stand on but it's like now with hypothyroid and hashimoto's i don't look tired to you but I could go curl up in a ball and sleep for three hours. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that's so hard. And I think anxiety is very much like that. I didn't know I had anxiety until probably 10 years ago. Okay. <laughs> because I also had PTSD. So everything yeah. was a... Yeah. I just thought this is how people lived in the yeah. world. And I thought it was just PTSD. Yeah. Well... And it probably was. Maybe we yes, just PTSD. <laughs> well, <laughs> it was just a smidge of chronic PTSD with a smidge of anxiety, a dash of depression. <laughs> but, you know, because I'm, I would say I'm high functioning, somebody that's like presents well, and I had responsibilities, it just, 
and our world treats people that identify as women differently. Put more on, ignore more, don't treat. So I think any service like what you're doing, and I, I don't know if you have men that are clients, but we don't have things that tell us that we can yeah. take it slow. Yeah. We yeah. don't have somebody going, I see you. You know, this invisible thing is visible. Or I don't have yeah. to see it to believe you. Yes. Yeah. I just finished reading a um, book called Invisible Kingdom by a woman with multiple chronic health conditions. And, and she talked a lot about that. Like, just that, just it's invisible to the outside world. You have no idea. And um, just the frustration that people get with, especially healthcare providers, not believing them. Of course, it's even, it's worse for women. It's If you're fat, it's even worse. If you are a person of, a woman of color, it's, yeah. it's even way worse. Um, that's a problem. So, what, yes, one of the services I provide is just believing people when they tell me what's going on with them. Who knew that that was? <laughs> I think that's a lesson for all of us. Just believe people. Right? Just believe people. If they're lying, it really doesn't affect you anyway. No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for you, so with anxiety and somebody living with anxiety, was the, so that was the motivation for you or the attraction for you working in this field. So first you were drawn to yoga. Or first were you drawn to the other one? Which came first, the chicken or the egg? First I was drawn to spirituality. So I have my bachelor's in philosophy and religion. Yeah. Um, would, have, would have gone on and got my MDiv if I had not gotten married at a childish, childish age. Mm-hmm. How old were you? 25. That's not a childish... <laughs> I mean... It was for me. I want my kids to wait longer, but... It was for me. And, um, so you would have gotten your MDiv become a minister? I don't know what I would have done with it, but it was the one thing I wanted to do that I very much wanted to do. It's never too late. <laughs> and there's I, so I much money go back, to be made. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to go back into um, student debt. I have that paid off and I, I really don't want to. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. It just takes a lifetime. No big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and again, that comes back to that, like, well, do I need someone else's validation to mm-hmm. say that, you know, whatever. Yeah. So anyway, that's, um, so I believe what drew me to yoga was the, um, the spiritual aspect of it. Um, and I just, I wanted to just go deeper. I did a teacher training, not so much to teach, but because I just wanted to know more, especially about the philosophy, which doesn't, you know come out that much in a 60 or 90 minute yoga class asana class so the teacher the teacher training was you didn't even know you were going to be a teacher at the time right you're like me i'm like i want to know how it works how the sauce is made yeah not necessarily because i think the sauce is all that important sometimes sometimes it's because i want to deconstruct the sauce Mm -hmm. but i want to know like why and how yeah and what drew them like even if it's not something that i'm that interested in i love that kind of stuff yeah like, yeah 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 yes so i just like i just wanted to steep in it and um and find out whatever i could 
And then by the end, I wanted to share it with other people and um, started to teach. Still was working full time as a librarian. Um, I can totally see that. Mm -hmm. I love that for you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) But Um, you're not doing that anymore. I'm not. Nope, I'm not. Um, Also, I should should backtrack just a smidge. I... Before I went into yoga teacher training, I started to see a yoga therapist for my anxiety. So this was like... So you knew it was available. Yeah. This was like in um, 2009. I didn't even know they existed and this is not 2009. Yes. So I was reading a book called Unstuck, which um, was about depression, was Mm -hmm. feeling depressed. And they did a little mention of yoga therapy. They talked about lots of different like alternative non-pharmaceutical ways to to uh, treat depression and I looked up the resources I found someone in Portland in town um I was her very first client which I didn't realize at the time and I um still know her she's a dear friend and um so that's like I had been practicing yoga then I saw the yoga therapist then I was like um, I want to do this. So I had seen therapists, mental health therapists. Mm-hmm. And when I would leave, I would be angry and sad and like, you know, just stirred up. <laughs> just sat there be as I'm like, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> For yeah. no fault of my therapist, just the yeah. shit of life. Yeah. Um, when I saw my yoga therapist, <laughs> we we still talked about a lot of the same stuff, but... Because we incorporated that physical mm, aspect, yes. somatics, yes. And, and the rest, that final relaxation at the end, I just left feeling lighter and happier. And I was like, well, I, I do want to share this with people. So first step to being a yoga therapist is to be a yoga, is to get certified as yeah. a yoga teacher. So I did go into teacher training with the mind, with the plan to like... Uh, to pursue yoga therapy training in the future. So that took, well, I was going to say 10 years, but not, it didn't take 10 years, but it took, um, it took my entire life being upended. Yeah. Everything that I thought was stable in my life had to, um, had to come down. And then I was able to move to Victoria, BC and do my, yoga therapy training and it was wonderful how long were you there um i was there a year and a half about okay it's so pretty there it was beautiful i just when you say it i kind of my shoulders relax yeah i'm like oh because then i immediately thought of what you said the other day about deer just wandering yes. in the city and i'm like oh it sounds amazing yeah. and, and just, not everybody wants deer in the city but and surrounded on three sides by ocean yes. so like all of those I don't know, ocean, yeah, they call them ions or something. Yeah. Like, it was just like, it was the most wonderful healing therapeutic adventure. I can't remember now what question I'm answering. Well, it's, I mean, all of them. Yeah. But I think um, it's interesting because when you're talking, apparently that's my word for today, it's interesting. When, maybe it was the third time you said yoga therapy I realized I had heard about it but nobody had explained it to me Mm. so I just thought it was a deeper yoga I mean it is a deeper yoga or a different yoga but nobody had explained the listening the care and probably Mm. every 
like every spiritual director, everybody's going to do it differently. Yeah. But I had never heard that you could use it for, I mean, it makes total sense now that you could use it for anxiety or depression. And cause I'm a firm believer in that somatic release. Like I, it's changed my life. It's changed the life of just about everybody I've taught. Mm-hmm. Archery too, because it's incorporated, and you know it's what Resma Mimimkin talks mm-hmm. about in my grandmother's hands. Like we are walking around with all of that trauma, and trauma meaning I'm not going to describe trauma, and trauma is a big word, but it can be macro, micro. You know things that we don't even know were traumatic to us. Yeah resting in our bodies not to mention i've talked about it on here before but 16 fucking generations of trauma i mean that is a shit show back there yeah <laughs> i know it's not great here but in my family it's like <laughs> there's some stuff yeah so the more we can move that through and the stuff that's happening ongoing i guess that would be my next question is what has changed for you personally in the pandemic in your personal practice, if you want to talk about that? And then what has changed for you with your clients in the pandemic? Have you altered anything or is it pretty much it worked before and it's still working? Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you switched up? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'll talk first about how I'm working, how I worked with clients during the pandemic. So, of course... To start with, like, everything just switched to online. Yep. I'm familiar with that. Yeah. And I did, um, I did and still do have a, a handful of clients that I see online, that we work online. And it's good, you know, one-on-one via Zoom. It's different than in person. So I also see clients in person that I started up probably um, maybe fall 2020 going back into in-person and, you know, still masked up. The The nice part about being in person is that it gets you out of your space. Yeah. <laughs> you set your phone to yeah. the side, you know, I've got all the blankets and pillows and props and so... Do they come to you or do you... I actually see clients at a, um, a place called Breathe here in Portland oh, okay. in, in St. John's. So it's like a, it's a, like kind of a spa atmosphere, really. Um, so it smells good. It sounds good. It's, it's a lovely location. Um, but yeah, I mean, people's, what we were already working with has, has just increased, you know, everybody's anxiety, the yeah. isolation. You know, I have clients that, um, if, if you, if you have a chronic health condition or an autoimmune condition, and we're living in this pandemic, mm-hmm. there are clients I see that I'm kind of the only person that they see. Because they can't. Because they can't. And, um, oh my gosh, it's just been an isolating yeah. time for people. The other thing I did was um, I started up an online membership. Mm-hmm. So I produce you know, a few short 10, 20-minute videos a week, and people subscribe on a monthly basis basis like a netflix but for um I love it. yoga chronic illness so i go in my mind it's like yoga and chill yes but it's the real and it's not like the yeah. sex it's like <laughs> lay down you actually yes. need to chill mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and you sent me one of yours and it is very relaxing yeah interestingly i um 
the I'll just the recordings are leveled I call it by spoons because there's this whole spoon theory with chronic illness and how many spoons you have but anyway that said anybody with a chronic illness will know yes. what you're talking about the I'm spoonies like, now the spoonies <laughs> um the one spoon practices are consistently the most um watched on my membership and those are just the guided meditation not even mm -hmm. like a video it's just audio like mm -hmm. um our nervous systems are just jacked and we all yeah want to chill Personally, during the pandemic, um, lots of lots of parts of my practice changed. Um, a big part was because everything, so many things moved online. I I found a teacher who I've been studying with, who I would never have found probably, wow. and probably wouldn't have taught. She probably wouldn't have taught online. Primarily, I am learning yoga philosophy from her, mm. taking Bhagavad Gita courses, the yoga sutras of Patanjali, so people might not realize there's texts, ancient texts that go with yoga. Totally right up your alley. Totally right up <laughs> my alley. Oh like, my gosh. You're like, the library? It's all smoky. It yes. Like <laughs> yeah. No, I love it. Um, and the, um, yeah, it's just... This stuff has been around for a long time for, for a reason. Yeah. Um, so that has, that has been a real blessing of the Are pandemic. Are they far away? Is that why you wouldn't have been able to? Um, she currently lives in uh, like Port, Port Townsend, Washington oh, or something. So it's not like it wouldn't have been impossible, but I probably just wouldn't have sought her out. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it just, she, yeah, it was just amazing that. Um, and learning those texts while being like homebound during a pandemic, it was, um, oh, it's just great. Okay, quick geek question. Yeah. Have you noticed anything inside of you when you're reading ancient texts mm. that then opened up a practice that you were already practicing? Or you haven't gotten that deep yet? Um, I'm trying, I'm just trying to wrap my head around. We didn't talk about question. any of this ahead of time. <laughs> so. I don't know if this is what the question is, but this is one, um, this is one thing that opened up inside of me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so of course, so of course the texts that I'm studying, part of yoga, um, part of Hinduism, I was raised Christian and not Catholic, Protestant, mm -hmm. but, um, but the teacher I'm studying with, we talk a lot about the feminine divine and mm. feminine divinity. And randomly in the past year or so, something that has presented it to me, presented itself to me is Hail Mary's. Wow. And again, cool. not Catholic. Yeah. Didn't even know how, what a Hail Mary, you know, didn't know the words, had to look it up. Um, Are you saying the rosary too? That's what I mean, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not Catholic, but I don't have a rosary. Um, I don't have the actual beads, but of course, you know, there's beads. And yeah. I, I, I'm not. I'm not worried about how many times I no. say it or do, saying it. You know, um, I wasn't gonna say saying it the right way. I do say it the right way, but um, anyway, that I feel like That's that is something that opened within me that wouldn't have if I hadn't been studying with this teacher yeah. and 
you know, spending so much time kind of like in this little cocoon of, of learning and spirituality. And it's just really interesting because of course in, in yoga, um, there's lots of mantra mm-hmm. recitation and, um, it's mostly in, or all in Sanskrit. And so for this like thing to drop in my lap, that's like already, it's in, well, of course probably it was originally in Latin, but yeah, I'm seeing it in English and I don't I, know. It's interesting. I like that. I, I have heard that happening with other people that were not raised Catholic. Hmm. It's like not even something they ever grew up with. Yeah. But being, I think it's, there's something about the repetition of yeah. it. I, I mean, I don't know. But, yeah. But being surprised by something that, you know, at first glance seems so formal and religious and yeah. steeped in lots of stuff. But I mean, we don't know what works. Like the mantras that I write probably, you know, to some people would be like, oh, that's not an actual mantra. But I am, it's not all of them. I've written hundreds now, but a lot of them I say to myself yeah. over and over. I'm in my body, I'm of my body, I'm with my body. Yeah, like, there's a reason that repetition works. Yeah, yeah. There's, it's not, a, like you said earlier, it's not a magic, it's not the magic potion that's going to immediately pull us out of our pain or anxiety or, or whatever, but what it does for me is usually it takes me from the place I was to a different place mm-hmm. or it just centers me it's like breath mm-hmm. like it sounds so stupid to say well <laughs> are you breathing or whatever but sometimes if I'm paying attention and I just take a deep breath in and a deep breath out I can immediately feel my cortisol levels yeah like that's it that's yeah. like we've got everything inside of us that we need yeah you know that doesn't mean it's going to be instantaneous or work the minute after you did it it worked in that minute and yeah that's maybe all we get but it's something yeah and the thing that I encourage people I work with is to do is when you do the practice and you feel fine mm-hmm. like when you say say your Hail Marys and you feel fine or you do your breath or whatever that's great and it it's creating those neurotags in your brain so that then when something does happen, when you are in the midst of some event or anxiety or whatever, those tools are just like right there at your fingertips. Yeah. And I think that that's what people do not understand. And I didn't understand it until I had been practicing a lot of different tools for a long time. Cause it just feels like you're just doing it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, you're in a crisis and I can remember to do my butterfly taps because I built it or the butterfly taps didn't work, but I remember to breathe or I remember to pull over to the side of the road and stop driving and just take a second, whatever you're building up tools in your toolbox or resources. Or also, I think sometimes it's like the way that I explained it to myself a while ago is like, I'm digging a well Hmm. And I'm just digging the well. And it feels like work sometimes, that well digging. And then when crisis hits, sometimes the crisis, the crises that used to take me out, they don't take me out anymore mm-hmm. because I spent that time digging the well. 
and so there's water in it or whatever yeah. the metaphor is. Yeah. But, <laughs> and then sometimes I still get taken out, but I immediately have tools that I didn't have before. And I, I, yeah. I think we're in a culture where, or a society, and I don't think it's most of society, but I think it's Western society. And I was talking to my acupuncturist yesterday. He's like, Chinese medicine doesn't work this, that way. Western medicine says, Here's, here you go. And you're kind of a cog in the wheel. Yeah. You don't get attention. You don't get care. It's only getting worse. And then Chinese medicine is like, like I had, you saw the bruise I had on my neck from my needle. Well, I went in yesterday and I was like, so Dr. Hong, this is what happened. (laughs) And he was like, you probably want me to say sorry, right? And I was not even needing him to say sorry. And he's like, I am sorry, but I do want you to know that in Chinese medicine, we look at that like you had stagnant blood. Hmm. And now you Got don't it moving. Have, and now it's moving. And I was like, I believe that too. I believe that it all works together. Like you said, your anxiety is connected to your chronic illness and your chronic illness is connected to your anxiety. We have to figure out how to calm the system, which yeah. is what you're you're doing. It's like yeah. the tools to calm the system as much as the system can be calmed. Yeah. Which I think it's really powerful. And I will say this. As important as the tools are, there's also there's there's also a need to take some things away. So like I don't know. I feel like there are times in our lives where we don't have to engage with the news. Yeah. If it's compromising our health. Yeah. Um, you know, like if we're doing something that's making us so sick that we can't then like exist well enough in this world like it's okay to step back from that i know we all want to be informed and we want to fight for things and it's okay to trust that like i gotta step back i gotta take a break i know my sisters are gonna be out there fighting and um i mean there's so much yeah there's so much going on right now but yeah so i mean news but also just like doing too much staying up too late yeah, I'm I'm a nine thirty. I went to bed at nine thirty last night. Nice. Did you go to sleep then, or you go to bed? And I pretty much go to sleep. Yeah. I sometimes scroll a tiny bit. Yeah. Usually, I try not to, and then um, sometimes I'll listen to a book. Yeah. Um, but I try to go to bed between nine thirty and ten. But also with the hypothyroid, I. Uh, that I can't take a nap often because I chron- I chronically I always get woken up. Mm. So it doesn't matter what I do, it's like something will bypass the phone thing and then I'll get woken up. I've tried <laughs> because I know that's part of getting better for me and being somebody that it's hard to rest. Yeah. I have to at least practice the napping whether I get woken up or not, but it's then extra frustrating because I'm not a napper. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I finally napped, and then somebody woke me up. But I agree with the, I stay off my phone a lot, um, you know, because I'll be at a lesson with you, or I'll be teaching somebody, and then I'll come home, and I'll do the photos and videos, or whatever, and then I'll talk to somebody, and they'll be like, did you hear what happened? And I'm like, <laughs> no. And then I, I think we've been trained by the phone and by the computer mm-hmm. to, like, be feel guilty or think there's something wrong with us if we miss news Mm -hmm. and i think our health depends on us missing news now that doesn't mean we don't show up when we can show up 
we don't give money when we can give money. And if we can't give money, we can't show up to phone bank or sign petitions or whatever it takes. But also being willing to step back and let somebody else do some of the work. Or just get off our the things that constantly put that stuff in our face. And it's not just what's happening in society. But for me, like family can be a big trigger for me. Mm-hmm. Not my, not my family, you know, not my kids and my husband, but my family of origin. So I have to limit and practice how much time and when I spend time with them and how I spend time with Mm -hmm. them because it brings up a lot of stuff that I got to take care of myself. Yeah. And I think that all of those things or finding a rhythm, like we don't in our modern age don't have rhythms to life anymore yeah like we would have gone to bed at a certain time maybe woke up in the middle of the night like got up at a certain time yeah and then like yearly rhythms as well and yeah it's cold out we're not doing much yeah (laughs) outside we're only doing what's absolutely necessary we don't have that because we're just cogs in the machine sarah and i took a second because uh, I wanted to ask her. I realized I hadn't asked her before, and I didn't want to set her up. But I wanted to ask her if before we go today, if she would lead us in a short meditation, maybe something that she does in her in her own practice with her clients. And she has agreed, so take it away, Sarah. Okay. Awesome. I just thought we would just do a grounding meditation. Sounds good. Um, you and I are sitting in chairs, and so that feels like a like a good place to be. So um, I encourage people to set themselves up comfortably in a chair um, where their feet can be touching the ground, the floor beneath them. Okay. We are leaning back in our chairs. There is no need to have that like super straight spine or to be engaging your core. <laughs> Just like <laughs> be comfortable. You could even. Um, you know, be resting on your bed or on the floor with your legs bent and your feet on the bed. So just take a moment, take a couple breaths. Eyes might be closed or just kind of softly open. And just check in, notice how your body feels. Notice how your breath is moving. Sometimes just by bringing our awareness to our breath, it slows it down, might deepen it. And then I encourage you just to find that connection of your feet to the earth. And so you might have shoes on, you might be in the third floor of a building or on a bed and that's fine but just imagine that your feet are resting on the earth and then you might imagine that some roots could grow out of your feet, the soles of your feet, right down deep into the earth. And 
notice if there is something deep inside the earth that would benefit you today. it might be groundedness, vitality, stability. With each inhale, imagine that through those roots, you're sucking that gift from the earth up into your body. And with each exhale, you're just sending down what you don't need back down into the earth. And she will compost it. Each inhale brings that gift from the earth up into your body. And each exhale releases what you don't need into the earth. You can stay with this as long as you want. You also can always come back to it. I would encourage you to close your practice by just silently thanking the earth for being there, for any gifts she's given you, anything she's composted for you. When you're ready, you can blink open your eyes, move your body. Oh, that was good. I like the, uh, the composting mm. image. That was good. Mm -hmm. That was good for me. Thank you. You're welcome. And thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. Um, thank you for is, having me. Yeah. Is there anything you want to plug? Yeah, so I pulled up my phone so I could look at yeah. the link. <laughs> and all of this will be in the show notes for everybody else. Um, I will, I'll give you the information on my website and stuff, but I would just say if you are interested in um, pursuing a little more yoga on your own at home, I have a free yoga in bed course. Um, it's three, like 10-ish minute practices. They can all be done in bed. You could do it before you go to bed. You could do it when you wake up in the morning. Um, there's a strength, a stretching, and a relaxation. And you can get to that via bit.ly forward slash in bed yoga. Oh, that's easy. Yeah. yeah, it's a little bit late. And then I'll put that in the show notes. Um, anything else you want to say? No, thank you for having me. It was thank so you. This was fun. I feel like kind of like more human. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and remember who you are. You are worth knowing. You are worth loving. You are worth being in this world. Take care, everybody. I'll see you. Well, I won't see you, but I'll talk to you okay. soon. Mm -hmm.